Let's read our verses here in Song of Solomon 2 and in Matthew 13. Just the 15th verse of Song of Solomon 2, 2.15. He said, Take us the foxes, the little foxes, that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Everybody say, little foxes spoil the vines. And go with me to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, beginning in verse 31, Matthew 13, 31. He says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. Everybody say the least. But when it is grown, it is the greatest. Among herbs. Everybody say the greatest. And it becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. And what we've been talking about all this week thus far, the subject and the title of our, our teachings has to do with the little things. The little things. We saw it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little seeds that grow to be huge things. And our objective is, is been to remind ourselves and enlighten ourselves further concerning the fact that virtually any and everything you want to talk about, good or bad, begins very small. And then oftentimes winds up large. Virtually everything you want to talk about, problems, habits, sicknesses, Financial problems, relationship problems. How many of what I'm talking about? So many times, if you, if you go back and look, these things start with little things, little problems here and there, and if left unchecked and not dealt with, they get worse and worse and worse and worse until you can have mammoth problems on your hand. But so many times people don't look at it that way. I mean, uh, when they've got a big problem, they, they look at it like, well, this just happened today. You know, just out of the blue, look at this. But so, you know, in, in, in most every situation you want to look at, that's not the case. It started way back here as a very, very small thing. By the same token, good things are that way. Good things start that way. You plant a good seed. And it may not just overwhelm you in two or three days. But it begins to grow and it begins to take root in you. And if you nurture it and keep it, water it and have patience in that area, eventually it can produce a tremendous harvest of blessing. You know, the Bible tells us that's what the, the Word of God is seed. That we're born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And God's Word concerning healing is healing seed. If you want a healing crop and a healing harvest, you need to plant some healing seed in your heart. The Bible tells us that our heart is the ground or soil that you plant the seed in. Right here in this 13th chapter of Matthew is what we call the parable of the sower. And it tells us that the heart is the, the ground and the seed is the, is the word. The word is the seed. So uh, it's, it's important for us to continually remind ourselves of these things. The things start small and they get big. And uh, whether it's a bad thing or a good thing, we need to be constantly on the watch for the little things. Amen. We said concerning healing. There's so many times people have a very narrow concept of how healing works. People only think along the lines of the power of God just tremendously striking someone's body and just in an instant of time all of their symptoms are gone and disappear. And we believe in that. We've seen things like that, personally, in this room and in different places. But we, we said that that's, that's the exception, oftentimes, rather than the usual when it comes to Christians being healed. The Bible also talks about recovery. How that you begin, instead of getting worse, you stop getting worse, and you start getting better, and you get better and better and better. The Bible said believers would lay hands on the sick and what would happen to them? They shall recover. Even in the ministry of Jesus, you see these kinds of, uh, of instances. You see, the Bible says the nobleman's son began to amend. 
You see, the ten lepers were healed as they went. You see a progression. And we thank God for, you know, instantaneous miracles of healing. We believe in that. We, we've seen it. We want to see more of it. But at the same time, you don't want to just narrow your comprehension of healing just to that and just be waiting on that to happen. Because some of these special things don't happen for everybody. As far as getting called out of a crowd and an instantaneous miracle occurring in your body. If you wait on something like that, you may be waiting a long time and it may never happen. Did you hear me? Just some spectacular something to happen. But there is something that's available to everybody that will work for anybody, anywhere, in any situation. It's taking the seed of God's Word and by faith planting it in your heart and allowing it to begin to work and take root in you. And over a period of time, hours, days, weeks, even months, depending on many variable factors, you can recover until you can get better and better and better until you're completely whole and strong. Amen. Amen. And so many times this is what we need to focus on because so many times folk have run around from here to there and here trying to find something spectacular and we believe in these things. But these things are not going to work for every situation and for everybody. You see, that just instantaneously they're going to be zapped and that's it. Oh, but thank God healing and recovery is available to everybody through faith in the Word. Can you say Amen. We've seen many people, like we said, instantaneously healed, but we've seen many, many more that recovered over a period of days or weeks or what have you. Thank God. We could tell you if we had time, and we're so inclined to tell you outstanding stories about people that were given up to die, terminally ill with terrible diseases, inoperable, untreatable. Doctors give up on them. But they just begin to, like, like, we, like the Scripture says, and like we say, take their medicine. I know the Bible said God's Word is medicine. It's seed and it's also medicine. And begin to take their medicine and begin to release faith and expect to get better according to the Word. And they begin to improve slightly at first, but, but improve. And steady improvement. And I'm thinking one, one individual over a period of eight months. Everybody say eight months. The doctor said they should have been dead in three months. But over a period of eight months, they were whole and proclaimed healed by the same physicians. Amen. Of incurable, incurable cancer of the spine. Thank God. Jesus is still in the healing business, my friend. Amen. He's still, he, he's no respecter of persons. What he's done for another, he'll do for you. But, but how many realize that, you know, again, why some people haven't been getting some results? Because sometimes people don't know that you may have to stand in an area and feed yourself and, and let the Word of God work in you over a period of time. They're all they're thinking is just some spectacular something. All at once, instantaneous. Now, I'm sure that everybody that's got a problem, that's what they'd prefer. That just like a lightning bolt, the power of God struck them, and in a split second of time, every symptom is gone. But how many would take healing and recovery if you didn't get the other? I mean, if the, if the lightning bolt didn't strike you, so to speak, how many would take healing? You would take recovery over a period of days or weeks or whatever. I should hope so. Amen. We believe in instantaneous miracles, but we also believe in healing and recovery. Do you? Yes. Praise God. It's in the Word. It's scriptural. But... Things start small. They start little. Now, I want to talk to you today. We talk, we've talked earlier about how that things start little as far as problems and habits, laziness. The scripture said a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Next thing you know, you're ruined. Little goof off, little negligence. Uh, you understand? And we, we've talked about uh, several things. We talked about yesterday about a little worry, a little fretting, and a little worry, and a little anxiety here and there. And then it develops into a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety, and about how that worry will literally kill you. Worry will kill you. And if you're worrying, you're not in faith. And if, you gotta, if you're going to get victory, you gotta, you got to, you know, get in faith, because faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Worry is one of the worst habits many Christians have. So many times folk talk about a habit of smoking or a habit of doing this or a habit of doing that. But you know, worry in many ways is worse than habits like that. 
And yet a lot of times folk don't, don't think so. But thank God we can do something besides worry. We can present our request to the Lord. And we can get in faith about it. And we can start thanking God for the answer. And like the scripture says, just cast our care over on Him. When it gets too big for us to handle, no, no need for us to go around worrying and fretting and losing sleep and pulling our hair. Turn it over to somebody that can do something about it. Amen. We used to sing a song, take your burden to the Lord. Anybody know the rest of it? And leave it there. Amen. There's a lot of folk took their burden to the Lord, but when they got up from their place of prayer, they took it back. Amen. They might have spent a good, good, good bit of time at the altar trying to cast their care on the Lord, but when they got up, they put it right back on their own shoulder. No, you got to take it to Him and leave it there. Song goes on to say, leave it there. Leave it there. Amen. I believe that's inspired of the Lord. Leave it there. The emphasis is leave it there. Amen. Take your burden to the Lord. Take your care to the Lord and leave it there. Everybody say, leave it there. Well, now, if you put your cares and cast your cares over on Him, then that leaves you without cares. Isn't that right? That leaves you carefree. Is that right? How many know Christians ought to be carefree? If they obey the Bible and if they operate in faith, they will be. Amen. How many know if you're carefree, it shows up on your face? It shows up in the tone of your voice. In the countenance of your face and in your, in your step. The Bible said the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. And the Bible said the glad heart makes a cheerful countenance. So we talked about the so-called little things in those areas. But today I want to talk to you about uh, the little things as far as revelation and uh, doctrine and direction. Go with me to Isaiah, if you would, the 28th chapter. Isaiah 28. In Isaiah, the 28th chapter, we'll read here in the uh, 10th verse. I tell you, let's back up to the 9th verse and get this one too. Isaiah. 28, 9. It says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little, and there a little. Now here he's talking about knowledge, he's talking about understanding, he's talking about doctrine, he's talking about precepts. He's talking about revelation. How many know that revelation knowledge is the key to victory in your life? Now, now, not you know, there's other factors. I mean, once you see it, you got to do it, right? It's not you seeing something that sets you free. You got to do it. You got to practice it. But I mean, you can't do it until you see it. You can't believe it until you see it, and know it. You can't put it into practice until you see it and know it. And one of the greatest problems, biggest problems in the Christian's life and in the church's life as, as a whole, is ignorance. Darkness. There's been a lot of talk in recent times about warfare. Spiritual warfare. I mean, the uh, much of the church world is just permeated with the subject of spiritual warfare. And, um, you know, about how that we are, are, we are in a battle. We are soldiers. And that uh, we're in army of the Lord. And that the enemy is arrayed against us. And that we have armor and we have the sword of the spirit and the devil has weapons and he's arrayed against us and we're involved in an intense conflict and a war. And in basic principle, that's true. That's true. But many, many people have gotten into the flesh and have very, very, very limited understanding 
as to what the warfare is actually about and as to how it is waged. Particularly this latter point, how it is waged. Are you with me? I realize that this is a sensitive issue with some people, but you know, uh, I'm just a kind of fellow. I try to make it plain and lay it out where you don't, uh, you don't wonder what I meant when you left, you know, <laughs> and endeavor to try to do things with scriptural support and keep my opinions to myself. You understand what I'm saying? The Bible tells us that this warfare that we're involved in in 2 Corinthians 10 is not carnal. It is not natural. You'll see that keep coming up again and again through the epistles. It is not natural. Not natural. And I think we need to emphasize that again today. It is not natural. It is not carnal. It's not something you do by carnal means. A lot of fleshly activity is absolutely ineffective in a spiritual conflict. Just because you would go through a lot of actions physically, uh, a lot of volume audibly, a lot of perspiration physically, it doesn't mean you're doing much spiritually. You understand? Are you following me? A lot of volume and a lot of perspiration may mean absolutely nothing spiritually. Because it's not a physical thing. You understand? It's spiritual. Now, what is the conflict over? What is the battle over? Folk might say, well, souls. That'd be true in part. That'd be true. But, how is it that the enemy is able to manipulate and control people in the world? How's he able to do it? He's able to do it through darkness. If he can keep people in darkness so that people don't know about Jesus, they don't know what he's done, they don't know that he set them free, even though Jesus has done these things, for those people that are in the darkness, it's like he didn't even come. How many know there are multitudes of people on this planet? And practically, uh, as far as the way they live, it's like Jesus didn't even come. Because they don't know about it. They don't know about it. They don't know... Some people don't even know that he came. Other people have heard that he came, but they didn't know why. They know that it has anything to do with them. They don't see any, they, they don't have any revelation. The warfare, the battle is over revelation. That's what it's over. Now it took me a while to see that. But that's a true statement. The warfare is over revelation. What do you mean? If God can get revelation to people and they can see and know the truth, what the Bible say would happen? Truth would make them free. Amen? So the enemy does everything within his power to keep that from happening. He works at every hand to hinder people from getting revelation. He works to hinder people from the ministry. To hinder them from answering the call. To hinder them from obeying the call. To hinder them from getting revelation. To hinder them from having utterance to speak out. To hinder them from having opportunities to communicate with people the gospel. Even in services like this, the devil works on people that are listening to distract them, to get their mind on something else so that they don't hear truth. Because if you get enlightened to truth and you see it, amen, you know the truth, what will happen? It will set you free. It'll make you free. The reason people are in bondage, it's not just because of physical things or financial things or things out in the natural. The real reason is darkness. 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 Oh, but thank God the Bible said the light has come. Jesus is the light. He said, I'm the light of the world. Amen. And when he was manifest on the earth, he shone forth the will of God and the light of God through his actions and through his words. And now the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that the same God who said light be in the beginning has shone in our hearts. Hallelujah. The revelation of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ and that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen. 
Amen. We've got light inside. Amen. But we don't have all the light there is as we're walking, practically speaking, do we? Do we have all the light that there is in the Bible revealed to us at this moment? I thank God I'm freer today than I was ten years ago. Anybody else? Can you testify to that? I'm, fr- I'm freer. I mean, I'm freer mentally. I'm freer spiritually. I'm freer physically. I'm freer financially. I'm freer maritally, socially. Amen. I started to say ministerially, but I <laughs> wasn't that much in the ministry, you know, that, that long ago. Just getting started. Well, I guess I was. It's been longer than I thought. But, uh, but anyway, so much freer today. Why? More light. Amen. Got light here and you got light there. And, and when light comes, it exposes the darkness. What is the darkness? The darkness is the ignorance of the way you used to think. See, when you don't have light, you're in the dark. So you think all kind of goofy and wrong things. Amen. Some of y'all looking at me kind of funny, but, but how many of you have ever gotten light on something and realized that the way you previously thought about that was wrong, wrong, wrong? You thought wrong about that. Have you ever thought goofy about something? I mean, you, when the light came, you thought, oh, this is like this? Ooh, boy, I've been wrong. And sometimes you have to say, and my mama was wrong, and my daddy was wrong, and my grandpa was wrong. And, and, and my pastor might have been wrong. See, people are people, aren't they? I've had to do that in different situations. You, you've had to go back and examine things. Why, why do I believe this? When the light of the Word comes to you, you think, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. If this is true, then this other can't be true. If this is true that I'm seeing in the Word, and it's got to be true because the Word is truth then this other stuff that I believe can't be right. And if you respect the Word of God, then what do you do? You change. You, you dispense with what you thought and you change. You accept the Word. But you know, I've seen, I've seen people more than once that, did, that wouldn't. They see the light of the Word, but they say, yeah, but now we've always believed it like this. This is what our group believes. This is what my daddy said. This is what grandma always believed. Well, people are people. Just because they say something, they don't make it so. It doesn't make any difference who it is. If it's you, if it's me. What we base our believing on is the Bible. Yes. Amen. Amen. The Bible. And not just a dead letter, and not just mental reasoning about the Bible, but Spirit-revealed light. Revelation from the Word of God. Amen. Revelation. That's what the warfare is over. The devil is fighting to keep men in the dark. Amen. To keep people in the dark. The reason there are so many people in this city and in this country that are unsaved and ungodly and without God is because they're in the dark. But if somebody can get to them with the light and they'll open up to receive that light, they can see the truth and be set free, can't they? Amen. The way the, the, way the enemy, the way demons work in the kingdom of darkness is to keep people in ignorance, to lie to them and deceive them. The way we wage war against it is by presenting the truth on every hand. Preaching the gospel. Teaching the word. Amen. In the power of the Spirit. At every opportunity. There's a lot of talk about attack. If you want to attack the kingdom of darkness, go tell somebody the gospel. Amen. Amen. That's the way you attack the kingdom of darkness. Now I know that's contrary to the way some people think. Amen. So I said, well, I think the way to attack is to scream in tongues for several hours. Well, you're wrong. Are you listening? We believe in praying in tongues. Big time. Good to pray, good to pray in tongues for hours. Great. That's not the way you attack the devil. I said, that's not the way you attack the devil. Amen. Moving right along. Revelation, he's talking about here. Let's look at it again in this verse of Scripture. 
He said, those that are weaned from milk and drawn from the breast, he's using the example of a natural baby, comparing it to a spiritual baby, are going to be taught knowledge and made to understand doctrine. How many know that babies are only capable of comprehending just a certain small amount? Isn't that right? There's many, many things there's no need for you to even try to talk to babies about because they just don't have the capacity to understand it. Is that right? There's no need. I mean, you'd be wasting your time to try to uh, explain things to them or, or converse with them about certain things because they just are not capable of comprehending and understanding what you're talking about until they grow and develop a little bit. But then those that are, are weaned and those that begin to grow up in a pretty good, child, pretty good sized child, well, now you can begin to talk to them about other things. And then when they get on up in their teenage years, well, then you can branch out and talk about a bunch of things with them. Isn't that right? And then certainly by the time they begin to be a young adult, well, you can talk about all kinds of things with them. Things that you formerly just wouldn't, wouldn't have had, you know, the commonality to, to talk with them. They, they're not on your level mentally. Isn't that right? How many know that spiritually we're born babies? The Bible said in 1 Peter 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You're born a baby. And then if you're fed, I said if. If you're fed properly, you'll begin to grow. Now a sad thing is that if you're not fed, you can, you can, you can be a baby for decades. I mean, you can be a baby for year after year after year after year. I mean, you can be born, you, you can be saved 30 years and still be a baby spiritually. If you weren't fed properly and you didn't exercise your faith and grow. Growth is not automatic. You must be fed and you must exercise yourself spiritually. But you can grow and develop and become strong. And it's never too late to grow. If you're alive and breathing, you can grow. Amen. And there's no, there, there's no place where even if you've walked with God for many years and have grown, you don't get to the place where you've grown as much as you can grow. In this life, you can always grow more spiritually and develop more. And I have a, you know, I have a suspicion that that's going to continue on the other side. You know what I mean by that? In heaven, in the kingdom of God, I, I, I think perhaps that may, that may continue. Because we're spirit beings. Amen. Amen. But uh, revelation is progressive. Notice here, those that are weaned, he said, verse 10, precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. In thinking and meditate on, meditating upon some of these things, uh, I, I, I was reminded of so many things and actually began to get some more light on some things. Many times, it seems people get in either one ditch of the on the side of the road or the other. Either people are just expecting no revelation, not looking for it, just coming and letting the preacher preach a little sermonette to them sometime, and they don't really care whether it's politics or poetry or what it is. They just they're religious. And then they're not really getting any revelation or looking for revelation. But then you get people on the other end of the spectrum until they're always looking for some great, big, spectacular something that nobody else has heard of. You know, I got revelation that nobody else has got. That kind of a thing. Now, if you want to get in trouble, get in that ditch. You know, you know, some, something that's just completely different. From anything else anybody's preaching or teaching or, or believing. We got revelation beyond everybody else. That kind of thing, you know. But how did he say this comes? Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little. <laughs> and there a little. The, the, I, I know the Lord has blessed me. With revelation over the last several years. I know he has. And it has not come. In. You know. Spellbinding experiences. 
You see what I'm saying? It has not come that I, that I, you know, was raised supernaturally up off my bed and in a, in a lightning flash received torrents of revelation flowing through my, my being. You know, God can do special things. I know that. But it's been my experience over the last several years that things that I'm, that I'm, have been able to teach on now it's not even something that I got all in one time. I got a little here. I got a little there. I got this thought here. I got this thought there. This thought here. This thought in um, 79. This thought in 82. This thought in 86. You understand? This little insight in 87. This little understanding. This little insight in 89. And the Spirit of God then helps you to put it together. Do you understand? And see the continuity of it. Do you understand? But do you also understand what I'm saying? That how, how that some people will get extremist and sensationalist and try to spectacularize everything that just, just some huge, you know, mega thing is just going to hit them out of the blue, you know. That's just something that nobody's ever heard of. A lot of times the reason people are reaching for something like that is pride. They want something that nobody else has got. They want to be seen and noticed. I'm, you know, I've got something people don't have. Yeah, you wind up with something that people don't have like that. Something that people shouldn't even want. Amen. You can get some things that you, you don't need. You'd be a lot better off with that. I tell you, it's, it's, it's humorous in a way, but then it's sad too. I've had people come, want to share with me their special revelation, travel great distances. And I just kind of, you know, because of their efforts, I will, I'll give them just a moment. And after they were talking five minutes, I knew right away, man, they're on the wrong track. They're wrong. Man, I thought of half a dozen scriptures that contradicted what they're saying. And you try to share it with them. No, 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 but I'm right. Well, well, wait a minute. I got scriptures I'm going to show you. Yeah, but an angel appeared to me. An angel appeared to me and revealed this to me. Somebody said, did you believe it? In this case, yeah. Sure did. You believe an angel appeared to Yeah, I do. But not an angel of the Lord. Are you listening? Oh, they fasted and prayed and sought God and, and, and sought their angel. They did. Big mistake. And they had an angel appear to them. Gave them a revelation. Completely unscriptural. But sometimes folk like that, I mean, you can't talk to them. Just hard-headed. Won't listen to the word. Put too much emphasis on the spectacular. Not enough emphasis on the word. And trying to get something in a great big quantity all at once spectacularly instead of settling down to get here a little, there a little. Here a line, there a line, precept here. Because see, that takes time, doesn't it? That will awaken you to the reality that you don't become a spiritual giant overnight or in two weeks. Or spiritually mature. Amen. And full of the Word. It takes time. And good, solid, strong ministries don't just spring up overnight. Did you hear me? Somebody said, I know of some. I doubt it. I question it seriously. Either they had already been working on a foundation for a long time before that and people just didn't know them. Or either you're wrong and it's not a good solid ministry. There's some serious problems with it. But that's the way the, that's the, way the things in the kingdom of God works. They start small, seed size. And it grows, and it grows, and it grows. I know. Let me give you this example. When I was in uh, uh, Rhema, we we had our lab class where all of us had to get up and teach and give a, a, a message or a teaching for 12 minutes, 13 minutes, whatever. And uh, I remember my message that I brought. It took me like a week or, or two working on it. To get it to, uh, you know, where I thought I could I could bring it for... Uh, 13 minutes, 12, 13 minutes. And now, on that same thought that I, uh, that I presented then, I teach an eight-week course and could use twice that much time to do it if I had it. You understand what I'm saying? 
I remember one of the first times I spoke, one of the first times I preached. It was in a, in a Baptist church. Good people. Love the Lord there. And, uh, and I ministered to them. One of the first times that I ever spoke before a group of people, uh, ministerially. And, uh, I mean, I prepared for days. For days. And I got up and said everything that I had thought of in about ten minutes. <laughs> and ran out. <laughs> that might be hard for you to imagine now. I'm so long-winded now. But, but I ran out. Just flat out in ten minutes. But see, as you meditate on the Word, you get a line here and a line there. A precept here. Precept there. Thought here. Revelation here. A glimmer of light here. A little more light here. And it grows in you. The Word of God is seed. It takes root in you. And it grows in you. Amen. Little things that used to be just a little glimmer of light, just a thought to me years ago, are now full-blown seminar teachings. Go into a lot of detail on it. And it used to be just a little glimmer, just a thought. But what if you ignored those little thoughts? What if you ignored them and didn't meditate on them? What if you just passed them off as trivial and inconsequential? Well, that are never developed. Right? The little things. How many, how many are with me? Little, little things. Little things. Little thoughts. Little revelation. Don't pass it off. Now you can go to the other extreme too. Some people bless their heart. Every little thought they have, they think everybody ought to stop everything they're doing and let them tell it. How many know what I mean? <laughs> well, I had a thought. Well, great. Keep it to yourself. Think about it. Meditate on it. See, a lot of times people think if they get a thought or they get any revelation, then they're supposed to, uh, you know, tell everybody and take up their time and explain all of it to them. No, no. I'll, and most of the time, you're supposed to do what Mary did, ponder it in your heart. Amen. And then in the right time, the right way, if it's a good opportunity, you share it, minister it. Just because something crosses your mind, that doesn't mean you're supposed to say it. Does it? So many times if you let it gel in you, kind of let it simmer on the back burner for a while, then it cooks down and you have something good. Amen? I know the good things a lot of times you got to let them, you know, cook down. <laughs> Isn't that right? you got to stir them up. Let them cook slow. And I come from a family of good cooks. Oh, boy. i got aunts mother and grandmother that can cook. I mean cook. A lot of times they'll do that. They'll put stuff on. Uh, you know, some of the best stuff you can't just stick in the microwave for 15 minutes. And I mean, you know, I mean, if that's true, I mean, you know, you can get by alright, but but the good stuff. I got one aunt. She, she makes a cake. One cake takes her 31 days to make. <laughs> you think, well, It'd be rotten by then. No, no. It's not. I assure you it's not. All of it's refrigerated, you know, and different things. But it, it's good. And, uh, you know, different different kind of meats and things that have to be marinated and sautéed. And, you know, you can't you don't just run in and make them, you know, or fix them in a few minutes. Well, things of God can, can get in you like that. Thoughts and words and seeds and they just they stay in you and they stew in you and they develop into something that's worthwhile and if you try to bring it out too quick it may not be ready yet soup may be too thin and that gravy's too thin i mean what i'm talking about it's, it's not strong enough yet it's not developed enough yet you know let it sit in you and stew and simmer until it gets some strength to it and when you speak it out it's got some punch to it amen just because it crossed your mind doesn't mean you're ready to present it yet. Isn't that right? You know, that, that, this, this is just good practical thinking here, isn't it? I mean, this, this will help you out in a lot of areas. Just because it crosses your mind or you see a little light doesn't mean you're supposed to run and try to share it right then. You know, just ponder it. Let it, let it simmer. Let it, let it develop in you. Until, boy, it gets so strong in you, you, just, you, you, you feel like you, you need to give vent to it. I mean, it's, it's getting big in you. 
That's the way I like to, to, to minister a message. I like to meditate on something and ponder on it and think about it and pray about it until by the time the actual service time gets there, man, I'm so full of it. I'm, you know, I, I'm glad there's a service to go give it out, you know, because I'm full of it. Just get full of it. Amen. Get full of it. How many of you be full of something? But so many times you didn't start that way. It started with just a very, very small thing. Very small thought. Small precept. Just a line. Just a thought. Just a little. But it can become very big. Something that will just fill you up. You know you can be full of healing that way, can't you? You can just take a thought from the Word of God. By His stripes, I am healed. Like we were talking earlier today, His victory is my victory. I mean, you could see you could get full of that pretty quick, couldn't you? Meditate on it. Say it. Ponder it. Think about the different aspects of it. And, and it multiplies inside you. Amen. You know, in thinking about this, you know, the Bible compares the Word of God to bread. Doesn't it? Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, He said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And uh, in talking about bread, also in John 6, he talks about uh, manna and how that he's the manna from heaven. He's the word of God made flesh. And, and also in verse 63, he says his words are life, their spirit and their life. But you know, I, I was reminded of the manna. How many know that the manna, it was, it was a supernatural provision of God for his people. It was bread, but it was very small like frost flakes like flakes of frost that might fall on the ground. Just a little bitty small thing. And they had to go out and gather it up. And they gathered it up just a few, you know, just a few flakes at a time. And it took a little while to gather it. This is typical, isn't it? Oftentimes, you know, I pray that way when, I'm ta when we pray about a, a service. You know, Lord, give us fresh manna. Give us fresh bread. Give us fresh revelation and inspiration uh, for the message, for the time, for the day. But you know, so many times folk, when they think about those things, they think about God just dropping some great big something in them all at once. But that's not the way it happens naturally. That's not the way the type even uh, revealed it. Out of heaven came the manna. It didn't come in chunks. It didn't come in slices. It didn't come in loaves. It came in specks. Little flakes. The Bible said it was fine as hoarfrost. Hoar means white. H-O-A-R. Uh, hoary means white or gray. Like little white flakes. How many know that even though God provides for you supernaturally, a lot of times you still have to go gather it up? And that's work. See, a lot, a lot of folk have missed that. Some people so-called living by faith, just going to sit down in the chair, never lift a hand, never do a thing. I mean, if they'd have been with the Israelites, they'd have starved. And what you're talking about spectacular, miraculous provision, this is about as spectacular as it gets. I mean, it comes right down out of the sky. Is that right? I mean, when it falls on you out of the sky, how much more spectacular could you get? But they still had to go out there in the hot sun. Isn't that right? And stoop over with their basket and gather it up. And it took more than a few strokes. I mean, they're little bitty flakes. Little bitty flakes. It'd probably take you several hours to gather enough to, to make, you know, several loaves of bread. Then you'd go and take it and take your mortal and mortar and, and grind it up and make flour out of it and knead it and make a loaf and get wood and heat up the oven and it's work. Isn't that right? I guarantee you. A lot more work than driving by the store and picking up a loaf of bread. <laughs> We're blessed. Don't even realize it a lot of times. I mean, we are blessed. You talk about convenience. We got it. We are blessed, blessed, blessed. I mean, it's work out gathering stuff in the hot sun. Don't know if you know that or not, but it is. I, I grew up on a farm all my growing up. We always had gardens. They called them gardens. They were fields. <laughs> you know? 
I hear people say, I have a garden behind my house, and it's a little six before a plot, and you think, that's not a garden. I mean, well, because when, when my folks say, we're going to plant a garden, you think, oh Lord, you know, we're talking acres. <laughs> acres of peas, and acres of beans, and acres of corn. And down in low valleys, in Mississippi, in the summertime, I'm telling you, the sweat will pour off of you like a faucet. And if a, if a little slight breeze comes through and blows on you, you'll stop right there and thank God. You'll, you'll praise God for the wind. Amen. <laughs> and so they're out in the desert. It's hot. Probably not as humid as it is in Mississippi, of course, but it was hot. And it's work. You understand what I'm saying? Even if God provides for you, even in a spectacular way, a lot of times there's still work involved and you still got to go out and get it. Amen. Living by faith does not exclude work. <laughs> Living by faith and work go together. Now that's a concept that has escaped some folk. <laughs> but living by faith and work. How many of faith without action, faith without works, is dead? So all these folks that are sitting around confessing and waiting for their ship to come in, they have dead faith. Their faith's dead. No ship coming, faith's dead in the water. Amen. But thank God, thank God, they'd go out there every day and they'd gather it up. Little bitty flakes. This is typical of the Word of God, isn't it? Do you see it? It's typical of the Word of God. It's typical of Revelation. And you know, when we eat, just when you eat, if you're hungry, how many of you don't just grab up an arm full of something and just choke it down and you're full? Huh? How do you get full? One bite at a time. It takes you just a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, you don't just, you know, I hope you don't consume a, a large meal in three or four seconds. I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You should just sit down and take a bite, chew it and swallow it, and take a bite and chew it and swallow it. And it takes a little bit of time. And that's the way it is in services. I said, that's the way it is in services when they're done properly. It takes you a little bit. You should eat a bite here, eat a bite there, eat a bite spiritually, chew it, eat a bite, eat a bite. And you should be fed. Amen. In services, in different areas, in your church services, whatever kind of service. You should be fed. And being full spiritually is just as real as being full physically. You can tell when you've got something. I mean, if you read a good book, hear a good tape, go to a good service, get in, get in some good things, you can tell if you've got something or not. It's some substance that gets in you. Isn't that right? And see, that out of that substance, that spirit substance, the bread of God's Word that gets in you, that will give you energy and life to live on. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, natural bread. You need it. He said, not by bread alone. You do need it, but you need the Word of God. You don't just need physical fuel. You need spiritual fuel. You need spiritual fuel to go on. And it doesn't just come in one huge mass that just drops in you in an instant of time. No. A bite here, a bite there, just take it in in bites. Bites. Take it as you're able to receive it. And he's already told us about how that the, the natural development of physical growth and spiritual growth is comparable. How many old babies can't take big bites? And they can't take any bites at first, but then when they begin to grow, they take little small bites, don't they? You have to take little spoons, little jars of baby food or whatever. But then as they grow and develop, their appetite increases. Isn't that right? They can take bigger bites. They can eat more solid food. The same thing is true exactly spiritually. The same thing is true. Revelation comes. Here a little, there a little. Everybody say, here a little. There a little. Here a line. There a line. A precept here. A precept there. A bite here, a bite there. That's the way you get full, you see. That's the way you get full. Are you with me? 
Do you see these things? Thank God, thank God, thank God. Well, our time's about up today. I want you to go with me to one more verse. Uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter. We'll close with these thoughts today. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 5. Now, he, in this verse of Scripture, he cautions us about something concerning little uh, dosages of teaching. In verse 7, let's see. No, back, back up with me and let's just get, let's get verse 6. 1 Corinthians 5, 6. He says, Your glorying is not good. Know you not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover sacrificed for us. Notice the phrase, A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now, we'll talk more about what that means in just a moment, but, but go to Galatians as well. I think it'll help you to see this verse of Scripture because these go together. Galatians 5. Galatians 5, verse 8. Well, let's read verse 7. I'll back up again. Galatians 5, 7. Galatians 5, 7. He said, You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Now we've talked about how that the truth of God's word often dawns on us just a little bit at a time. Here a little, there a little. A little light, a little thought that grows and develops in us. The more light we have, the more free we'll be because the truth sets us free. But here he warns us and cautions us about bad doctrine. Bad doctrine. That just a little bit of it can cause major problems. You know, there's one thing we need to be cautious about and careful about and examining closely, and that's our doctrine. Whether it be in line with the Word or not. Here we see in, in 1 Corinthians that there, there was immorality in the church. Here was a man living with his stepmother. And there was fornication and immorality in the church. And they, they had been obviously letting some of those things go. And Paul writes to them and says, Don't you know that you get a little of this started and it'll mess up your whole church? Because if one, one person here and there thinks they can get away with it without any repercussions, then you're going to have somebody else that's going to get into it and somebody else that's going to get into it and it can tear up the whole thing. He said, you've got to deal with this situation. Sometimes people don't like to confront things. They, you know, they, well, we'll just hope it'll straighten out and hope it'll go. Well, some things you can just pray and, and leave it up to God and it'll, it'll, it'll work out. But other things you can't. You have to confront them. You have to deal with them. God will give you grace and help you. But some folk just despise confrontation so much that so they just, they'll let things go and let things destroy. You know, families, relationships, the work of God. But he said, he said, you got to deal with this. You've got to take care of this. Here in, in this letter to the Galatians, there were individuals that were coming and teaching and bringing legalism into the church. Well, you have to do this. You have to observe this ordinance. You have to eat like this and act like this and dress like this. You have to do this statute and do this ordinance and do this thing. And you can't be righteous and you can't be saved unless you do this. And he called that leaven. And he said, he said that leaven... Will let, will, will affect the whole thing. And he was telling them very emphatically that, that how you, your works don't make you saved. That salvation is by grace through faith. Let me say it another way. Nobody will ever go to hell because they dress wrong. There'll never be anybody in hell because they didn't dress right. There won't be people in hell because they didn't, you know, uh, uh, act a certain way per se or because they had this habit or that habit or the other. There will be nobody in hell because they were a fornicator or because they drank or because they did drugs. 
Did you hear me? That is not what sends people to hell. See, people get hung up on these things, though, don't they? The thing that sends people to hell is lack of faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Amen. Failure to walk with Him. Failure to, to receive Him and have a relationship and maintain a fellowship with Him. That's why people go to hell. Not because of this particular sin of fornication or drugs or whatever. Do you understand? How people, you know, people emphasize what? Well, that's going to send you to hell. Well, that's not just that per se. It's unbelief. It's doubt. It's rejecting Jesus. Not accepting, accepting Him and holding Him to be your Redeemer and your redemption. That's the issue. But he said, he said this doctrine that's coming in here. You have to keep this rule to be saved. You have to do this to be saved. You have to do this to be saved. See, what that boiled down to is your works is what's saving you. You're living a certain way is what's saving you. And I'm telling you, friend, this is very pertinent today. For today. I don't know if the groups and denominations that really teach this in some shape, form, or fashion. Amen. It boils down to works. That you're saved by the way you live and by the way you act and by the way you do. If you love the Lord and you're saved and you fellowship with Him, you ought to want to do things, you ought to want to live right and do good works, but that's not what saves you. Are you with me? That is not what saves you. We're not saved by works at all. Works, our works have nothing to do with our salvation. Our salvation is by grace. Through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. But see, these folk were bringing in these things. They were saying, well, yeah, you know, grace is all right and faith is right, but you also have to keep this. And you also have to do this. And Paul, Paul wouldn't give place to that for a moment. He said, no. You know, Jesus warned his disciples about the leaven of the Sadducees and Pharisees. Remember that? And his disciples didn't understand what he meant. They thought, well, we didn't have, we didn't take enough bread on the trip. And he's bringing that up. No, he said, no. He said, don't you remember, first of all, don't you remember the miracle of the loaves and fishes? God's provided for our supernatural. Don't you know if he needed to, he could do it again, you see? But no, he told them he's talking about the teaching, the doctrine of the Sadducees and Pharisees. And these doctrines that they propagated are still with us today. The doctrine of the Pharisees is legalism. Legalism. The doctrine of the Sadducees is what we might call liberalism. You know? So the ultra-traditionals and conservatives and legalists on one side and the ultra-liberalists on the other side have been with us forever. Pharisees and Sadducees, they're called. What about the Pharisees? What, 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 what do we mean Pharisee? Well, every little detail. You have to do like this. You have to wear your hair like this. You have to dress like this. You have to do like this. You know, a list of rules as long as your arm. Little, everything's a sin. Everything's this. Or not, not emphasizing matters of the heart. Emphasizing all the externals. And the Sadducees, they said, well, you know, there aren't really any miracles. There aren't really any spirits. There are no angels or demons. You know, it's what you see is what it is. They doubted miracles. They doubted spirits and spirits. We have those people with us today, don't we? We just don't call them Sadducees. But see, the Lord warned them about even a little bit of that doctrine, didn't he? He says it'll act like leaven. Leaven is yeast. You put just a little bit of yeast in a big, you know, lump of dough and eventually it'll work through that whole thing and cause it to rise and affect the whole thing. Won't it? And he said, that's the way this doctrine is. So there are doctrines and teachings. Many of them sound good from the outside. They got scriptures. But they're wrong. Just because somebody's got a scripture for something doesn't mean it's right. The devil quotes scriptures. He quoted scriptures to Jesus. Didn't he? But see, his interpretation of them was wrong. And he, he tried to apply them. Tried to get Jesus to apply them wrong. 
Just because somebody has a scripture with something, that doesn't mean that it's all right. Jesus told the, you know, when the devil quoted scripture, Jesus said, it is also written. Amen. So you need to know it is written, but you need to know it is also written. Amen. Somebody say, well, the Bible says, yeah, but the Bible also says. And the Bible said, you've got to rightly divide the word of truth. Well, it can be rightly divided, it can be wrongly divided. And he, and the Lord warns us. And the Spirit of God through Paul warns us about even a little bit of this bad doctrine getting in. And boy, I, you know, many of you may not be aware of some things that I'm thinking about, but you know, I, I get to see a lot of pastors and a lot of ministries, and boy, it, it's with us today. Little things here and there that don't seem that big of a deal. And sometimes you see baby Christians and young Christians reading certain books and looking at certain things, and you think, man, they don't need to be looking at that. They don't need to be reading that, but they don't see it. Well, it's just a little, it's just a little thing here. No. It's a seed that can get in you and mess up your life. It may look little. But a little leaven can get in you and start working. So many times people that are just, I mean, what we would call just off the wall. I mean, they're just, they are wrong. They're fanatical. They're way off base. It didn't start like that. It didn't start like that. It started with a, a little something that sounded different and strange than what they had been taught. And they really couldn't find enough scripture to substantiate it. Maybe an odd half verse here and there that, that didn't really apply. And that something was funny about it. But they kind of lacked something about it. Their flesh liked some of those things. And this is different and we're ahead of everybody else. And nobody else has this except us. And it appealed to their pride. And so they begin to meditate on it and pull some of these things in. Next thing you know, they're off. Didn't happen just in a moment, but day after day, week after week, this, this leaven works through them till that doctrine affects every part of their being, every part of their life. We've seen people do that with the extremism on warfare that we've already referred to. The extremism on demonology and deliverance we've already talked about. Some people bless stars. They, they let this begin to get in them. And I mean, they see a demon behind every bush and under every chair. Demons in the morning, demons in the afternoon, demons in the evening time. You understand what I'm saying? It's warped their whole concept and perceptive. It didn't start out like that. But, but it is grown in them until it has overwhelmed their perception of everything and they don't realize it. But they talk much more about demons than they do Jesus Christ. Are you with me? And the same thing can be true when people talk about warring. They're warring in the morning, warring in the afternoon, warring in the evening time. War, 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 until they're worn out. War. And don't stop to realize that, you know, they're not, you know, they're so busy warring until they never worship. Amen. They're so busy fighting the devil until they don't rejoice in the victory that Jesus Christ has already won for us. Amen. I understand what I'm saying. So some of these things seem innocent enough at, at the first gaze and, and look, but but it, it can be a bad seed. It can be a bad thing that can get in you and begin to work until it can pervert your whole perspective of things. The Lord warns us and cautions us about bad doctrine. In closing, just let me tell you this that the Lord shared with me about some of these things. Uh, as a young man and as a young minister you know I, I, I begin to think Lord I'm not going to be protected from deception just because uh, for, because I'm smarter than other people because there have been people that are brilliant that have got, gone off or because necessarily because I'm, I'm committed more than somebody else because there have been people that have been ultra committed have gone off I said Lord what you know what do we need to do to, to be protected and to be safe. And the Lord spoke to my heart very distinctly. He said, your humility is your protection from deception. Your humility. If you'll humble yourself. When you're wrong, admit it. Don't try to be prideful and get something nobody else has. Show for yourself and put yourself forward. and Make claims that are erroneous and out beyond where you really are. Trying to live in reality. Always acknowledging that if you've got anything good, it came from the Lord. 
Amen? And we're not trying to do things to impress people. I'm just, I'm just, you know, elaborating on what he told me with all those statements. But he spoke to me specifically, your humility will be your protection from deception. And pride will make you susceptible to being deceived. That'll open up whole realms to you if you get a hold of that. I mean, I just remember just, just then, you know, who's the first one that fell? Satan. Why? Pride. He became deceived into believing that he could usurp God and exalt his throne above. Now that's deception. That you think you can exalt yourself above, above the one who created you. The one who made you. The one who, uh, I mean, sustains you every breath. And your every moment. I mean, he was a spirit being, not necessarily breathing, but his every moment. He, God was sustaining him. Just by very right of his power. And to become deceived to the point where you think you could, you can be above your creator. But what caused him to get like that? Pride. The Bible said he became lifted up because of his beauty and because of his ability that God had created him with. He didn't create him a devil. He created him Lucifer. The archangel. Cherub that covers. Beautiful being. Light and ability. But he became lifted up in pride. It opened him up to, to, to be self-deluded and self-deceived so that he fell and became what he is today. Let's purpose in our hearts to walk humbly before the Lord and live in reality. And the Lord will keep us. He'll protect us. The Lord, the Lord has me. The Lord has me. He's protected me. There have been some things before come along and then I started to jump on the bandwagon. Looked pretty good to me. And, but because my heart was open and I'm trying to stay humble before the Lord in those areas, He'd send somebody else by me. He'd remind me of this. He'd, he'd prompt me to reread this portion of Scripture or something and He would He'd bring it out to me. No, no, that's not right. Don't go with that. Don't look at that. Sometimes it didn't seem like that big of a thing. But it's just the Lord's goodness and His mercy. Amen? You understand, if you stand where others fail, if you make it where others didn't, it won't because you're so, you're so much, won't be because you're so much smarter or so much more committed or so much more diligent or what have you. It'll be because of the Lord's goodness and grace. And God gives His grace to the humble. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.